Welcome back to the Cruise Corner Podcast. As usual, this is Lonnie. Joining me today is Army veteran Dr. Lance Davis. Lance has a story that many of us in the veteran community can either relate to or just come to understand well. Seeking help and not getting the results you want. After he left the Army, Lance sat down with a VA psychologist. He was diagnosed with PTSD, which he later sought treatment through the VA for. And when doctors wanted to keep going to pharmaceuticals, Lance made the decision to take a different path. A path that led him to researching and gaining an understanding for traumatic brain injuries, or TBIs, and the symptoms that were tied to it, which then led to a new treatment plan for addressing his own symptoms that the VA had believed were a result of PTSD. You can learn more about Dr. Lance Davis's story by visiting his website at www.flourishhealthcommunity.com. This is a great episode. I really enjoyed the conversation Lance and I had. We talk about tackling therapy from a full body perspective, the mental health stigma, creating boundaries, understanding your value, goal setting, and much, much more. You do not want to miss this one. As always, thanks for listening to the Cruise Corner Podcast. This is episode 19. Hope you enjoy. All right. Hey, Lance, thanks for joining me on the Cruise Corner Podcast. How are you doing today? I am super duper. I'm doing really well. I'm really glad that you were willing to jump on here because we talked about, was it about a week ago or so? Yeah. So I was, it's hard to find people that are excited to get on a podcast <laughs> to talk about themselves or anything really <laughs> so I you know I'm, I'm finding that out that uh, a lot of people specifically veterans just don't want to talk about this stuff for some reason yeah it and I can never pinpoint what it is because we try to figure out okay what would get people excited motivated mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty tough but uh so you are a veteran correct correct all right you want to talk a little bit about how you got there and what you did um yeah, uh, we'll we'll go back a little further than normal when I give an intro. So, um, high school, I was not a school person. I was a straight C if I was a lucky student. Um, I didn't have anything planned for after. Everybody said, "Hey, you got to go to college." So I did community college, and I bet I passed one of my classes that first year. Everything else, I dropped out or failed. Um, and at that point, I said time to figure out what's going on. So um, I went into recruiters. Uh, My dad is a veteran, Vietnam veteran. He's been in the Marines, Army, Air Force. That's awesome. My dad was a Vietnam vet, Army. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I'll never forget, he said, Lance, go ahead, join the military. That's great. But whatever you do, don't join the Army or the Marines. Did I listen? (laughs) Nope. I wanted to be a cool guy. So, um, <clears throat> gosh, what was it? 2003. I, I, I left for basic on December 31st, 2003. Um, M- Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, spent five years, five years and four months in the Marines did, uh, two deployments, one year to Iraq, one year to Afghanistan. Um, yeah, so I spent uh, a year over in each, and I was in the infantry out of uh, <clears throat> Fort Campbell, Kentucky, the 101st, and I got out in April of 2009. Awesome. I think I was going in in 2011. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm old. But I went, in, I went in a little bit 
older than what most people do because I didn't go in right. I went through college first. So I was going on 23 by the time I came out of basic training. So okay, I had had a little bit of life before, <laughs> before I went in. But yeah. uh, so, so I kind of, I checked out a little bit about what you were doing, like on Instagram, stuff like that. Cause I hadn't, I didn't know about you till you actually hit me up asking for a phone I cold, I cold called you right there. Yeah. So, um, but I saw like you were doing stuff with, I know one of the taglines on your stuff was guide vets from survival mode into a flourish mentality. Do you want to talk about what you guys are doing with that? Um, yeah. So <clears throat> a little background, we'll, we'll pick up where I left off in 2009. Um, in 2009, I got out. And exactly like many other veterans, I, I was, I wanted nothing to do with military once I got out. So I, I cut all ties, didn't want anything to do with them. Um, a few years later, gosh, I, I'm really bad with dates, but around, I don't know, let's just say a few years later, um, a buddy of mine, while I was going through, while I went back to school said, hey, you need to get your disability reassessed. So I was like, oh, okay, that sounds great because I didn't have any disability when I left. And he was Coast Guard and he got like 80% disability from sitting on the beach. Uh, I was like, dude, okay, I'm, I got this. So <clears throat> I went in, I went through the process of getting reassessed and I went to the disability, disabled American veterans, the DAV or something. Yeah. Um, so I went through the process of getting my disability reassessed and I went in and the gentleman there was helping me. He's like, Oh yeah, you, you were airborne. You should get your, your knees looked at your back, looked at your shoulders, looked at, <clears throat> and he's like, Oh, you've had two years of combat. Um, you should get assessed for PTSD. Uh, I was like, whatever. I, I don't have any of these symptoms, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and then he gave me a list. He was like, this is what they look for, for the different ratings for 30% disability. This is what they're going to look for, for 50%, so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> so he gave me this information and I, I went home and I started reading it. I started researching it online. I'm like, I'm going to cheat this system. I'm going to, I'm going to get my money's worth out of it. So like I said, I, I went in completely planning on cheating the system. Uh, a few months later, I had my talk with the VA psychologist, and he asked me questions I was not prepared for. And I walked out of there thinking, oh, shit, I do have a little PTSD, I guess. Um, and at that point, I started going through uh, graduate school for chiropractic. Um, so everything was on a back burner. It was just, it's a, it was a whirlwind at the time. So I, I didn't, at that point, I didn't go to the VA for treatment. A few years later, I was like, okay, now's the time. I, I'm acknowledging this stuff inside me. I'm acknowledging symptoms. Um, so I go to the VA and I start getting treated. <clears throat> and very quickly, I did not like the treatment I was getting through the VA. Um, they wanted to push meds on me. And at this point, I, I, I was a doctor. I was a treating uh, chiropractor. And in the clinic I was working in, I was seeing a lot of head injuries from auto accidents, sports injuries, and so on and so TBIs forth. TBIs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and I was seeing a direct correlation in my symptoms and the symptoms of patients I was treating. And I was like, wait a second, this isn't, yeah. this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't a joke. Um, so this is when I started doing a lot of reading and a lot of research. And I was like, okay, there's very good chance that I have a TBI that is being mistreated. I went to the VA and said, hey, this is what we need to do. And they said, nope, this is not what we're doing. And then that's when I parted ways and I never have been back. Um, so yeah, I the found VA can be definitely tough with figuring out the right therapy, even if it's not a TBI and it is something that's your mental health stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I had the issue with the therapist that they, uh, I went in thinking, oh, there's no way I have PTSD or anything like that. And, uh, but I did end up getting uh, diagnosed with GAD just before I got out, which was the generalized anxiety disorder. Right. And so I was having issues with that after leaving active duty. And <clears throat> when I would start going to therapy, it was like, let's dig up more than just your military background. Let's go all the way back to childhood. And right. all of a sudden we're covering 20 years of stuff and things. It's like, that didn't bother me then. And then it was like, okay, we'll see you in a month. And then they let you out. And I would have to go sit in the parking lot and be like, what do I do now? Like we just, <laughs> right. I Thanks feel for horrible. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't give me any tools to deal with it. It was like, let's talk about it. And it turns into a venting session. And then it's like, I'm tired. And so I stopped going to the VA because it's like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to get better. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I, I said, um, VA is not going to help me. I'm going to have to help myself. And, I'm, and I was fine with that because I, I just rather have it that way. So I ended up stumbling across um, a Dr. Mark Gordon through the Warrior Angel Foundation. And he's, he's spearheading the, the treatment of PTSD through TBI, through um, <clears throat> his two-part approach. The very simplistic approach is two-part approach of decreasing inflammation in the brain and then supplementing necessary hormones. Because when the brain gets out of whack, especially with head injuries, um, very often uh, hormones decrease and then we have symptoms. Um, so I was a patient of his and for about a year and I said, this is great. I want to be a part of it. So I went through the process of learning all this stuff and I became a provider. I'm going away from that because I don't want to badmouth him. What he is doing is awesome, but he's still missing a very um, important part. Um, there's still trauma in people. You still have to deal with trauma. Yeah. Uh, and I still think, I know there is a very strong correlation between food and gut health and, and um, the There's human full brain. body changes that got to go on to. Exactly. So along, so like I said, it's been a whirlwind the last 10 years. Um, so the way I approach things is a whole body approach. We don't just look at, oh, you need Zoloft, you need Paxil, or whatever they're called nowadays. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I started doing it on myself and I started seeing a few patients, a uh, few patients through chiropractic and working with them. And now it's <clears throat> now, whatever you believe in God, the universe, Gandhi, whatever, 
I, I feel that there is a massive pull for me to be in this realm of um, working with veterans. And it's really funny because like I said, I, I wanted nothing to do with these people. And here oh, I, I am. I completely understand because when I left active duty, I cut ties with anything that was military. Yeah. I left a little bit bitter because I, I had gone in expecting to be a lifer. I thought I was going to retire out and stuff happened really early on that was traumatic for me and I didn't want to talk about it with people and it wore me down over the years. And because I didn't talk about it, leaders started thinking it's like, you're just, you're weak or you're lazy. And it's like, I've been dealing with, you have no idea what. And uh, because I couldn't bring it up because I didn't trust anyone to take it seriously, I burned out and so I walked away. And so I felt like I gave up something that meant the world to me. So it, I mean, I left post and took part of my ASUs and dumped them in a homeless bin. And it was like, I don't care anymore. I don't want to be a part of this. But then I threw myself into isolation and it backfired. I went from one end of the spectrum where I had all these battle buddies and all these people in my life to the other end where it's like, okay, it's just me. And I don't know how to take care of myself anymore. Like I'm used to army taking care of me and so it's like where do I go from here yeah um I'm so when I contacted you uh I, I decided hey it's a time to get back in this community and I've been I'm putting out the 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 bat signal per se to get in touch with as many veterans as I can um to get back into this um community and yes I'm finding the exact same thing um we cut ties and then we don't have the community and we don't have the know-how to live without structure um and and then you obviously know the the repercussions of that it's just it's not good um and it's yeah. hard sometimes to get vets to kind of come in i mean i created cruise corner because i didn't have a community so it's like if i can't get myself to go out and find them i need to create something to bring people to me to where I can build from there. And because of what I do through this whole podcast and the blogging stuff like that, I've met a lot of people and I've been introduced to a lot of resources and it's helped me heal a lot. It's brought other people into where things they didn't know about and everybody's sharing their stories and bit by bit, we're kind of creating the survival guide together because nobody has instructions about <laughs> life. <laughs> so we're all kind of working through it together. And so but community is definitely important. Right. Um, it's like children. They don't come with owner's manuals for some <laughs> weird reason. They should, but they don't. I, yeah, I wish mine did. <laughs> it's rough. Um, Trial and error. And the, the other thing, so yes, I'm taking a very whole body or uh, holistic approach towards um, getting people back out of, getting people out of survival mode and into the flourish mentality. and one of the big things is that I'm learning is, okay, yes, we, we, we have your head injury under control or your diet's great or whatever else is causing it. And then if, if the language you speak, if the stories in your head um, is still, you know, a woe is me, a victim mentality story. Got that negative the, inner dialogue going on. <laughs> exactly. All, all of this um, work that we've done in the past is just, it's it's worthless because you're still saying oh i'm worthless i hate my life and i mean yeah 
we're, I, I like the, the term, uh, we're biological computers. So our input, whether it's food or, you know, the words we speak and the words we think, if we have that, if we don't fix that, then we're just going to keep outputting this crappy uh, input. Yeah. yeah, I know for me, when I was going through the transition point, as soon as I got out of active duty, I kind of got stuck in that mentality of I'll never be better than what I was when I was in a uniform. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like the best years of my life are over with. So why, you know, what do I do now? Why try? And I got stuck in just kind of a depression in a really dark time where it was just like, okay, I can't be anything better than what I was. So okay (laughs) and i got stuck in that for a long time and it made my transition really difficult uh i made it through school i ended up with my master's eventually but it was like i went through this point where it was like where do i go from here what do i be now that it'll never compare to when i actually appreciated myself i had value because i didn't know how to define really what value was in a person and so I mm. tacked everything on to being a soldier. It's like, okay, society likes me when I'm a soldier. Uh, they don't, nobody talks to me anymore. <laughs> so it's like, I have no value. And so I didn't learn how to talk to myself in a positive way to motivate myself to be something outside of the uniform and to just right. try again and build another life. Everything always went back to the military. Yeah, and and that's the biggest thing is a lot of people tie it back to the military. Um, and that's that's great, but if you want to move forward, especially if, if you're getting out and you're not retiring, even if you are retiring, you get I mean, there's a world out there. We're one percent um of the population. And if you keep tying to that, you're only one percent and you're missing out on the ninety-nine percent. Yeah, that's why I really enjoy bringing people on to tell their story, especially people that have been able to start companies like veteran-owned stuff, because I really like people seeing that there's life after the military. Oh, gosh. Like, there's so many things you can do, and there really are people out there that love what we know how to do in our mentality and how hard we work and all the things about, you know, just being a service member. And so I've seen some people do some incredible things where they don't even look back at the military. It's like, it was a fun time, but that's not my whole life. Like I have a whole other life outside of that. And they're happy. Like you can have that again. Yeah. It's, it's just a chapter in, in your book of life. So called. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, I considered myself very lucky. I didn't acclimate or brainwash in the military. I mean, look at my hair now. I was the guy that was pushing <laughs> the hair limit, the, all the limits. Um, Cause I'm sitting here with a bun, like I'm still in five years later. <laughs> that's all right. Hey, if that's what you like, be you. I'm fine with that. That's, that's the way you are. Um, but the way I was in the military, um, I believe helped me transition out much easier. It's still, it still was difficult. Like you said, the, the structure and the biggest thing was the constant pay. I didn't have to worry about money especially after deployment um and then getting on the real world i got out in 2009 and that was when the market crashed um (laughs) yeah it it was (laughs) shitty there were there were times um when my wife and i were like we don't know what we're going to eat this week um so it was a very interesting time uh yeah 
So I was going through some some of your posts on Instagram, and I saw this one where you're talking about uh, the having a full cup, the uh -huh. whole like knowing when to say no and stuff like that. Because I feel like uh, something some of us kind of get stuck doing is that the battle buddy mentality where it's always, I got to do stuff for everyone around me and sacrifice myself for everybody else. And I think a lot of people, it's good to have it, but when they carry it over, I don't think some people know when to turn that off. And so people start neglecting themselves. And, you know, we have our really strong people that just get, they wear themselves down. And uh, so I was wondering if you wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit in the sense of where people can kind of figure out where to kind of draw lines and build boundaries. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Um, my wife labels herself a recovering people pleaser, uh, always saying yes, making sure everybody else is happy before taking care of herself. Um, and so I'm a practitioner. I work with people all day in and out. My wife is a teacher. She works with people all day in, in and out. So I, I, I call it the customer service role. We're there to please other people. And you can only give a percentage of yourself. So the, the cup mentality, if you're 50%, um, you're only giving a percentage of that 50%. When your cup is full at 100% or overflowing, you're able to give even better. So you're giving full of yourself. Um, so the ability to say no, um, like I think it was, it was the post that you talked about. Uh, it's about conserving energy. And nowadays, and a lot of people talk about energy as in, you know, spiritual energy or this whole, this woo woo kind of energy. <clears throat> and I'm talking about legitimate your cellular biology, the energy in your body, your muscle energy and everything. If you're too busy running around um, saying yes to everybody, yeah, I'll be at that birthday party. Yeah, I'll work that extra weekend shift. Yes, I'll do this. You don't have any energy for yourself and you don't have the energy to give to other people. So you're giving from a half full cup. Um, and the guidelines, like the line in the sand, that takes a lot of work. You need to do a lot of, uh, <clears throat> you need to do a lot of looking into yourself to figure out where that line is. Um, because there are a lot of friends that you might want to go to that birthday party. But on the other hand, where do you want to conserve your energy? So me giving a guideline, it, it's really difficult. You need to, yeah. um, you, you need to be in touch with yourself. Now I'm getting woo woo. You, you really got to be in touch with yourself and, and see what you're, what you need at that time. If that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. I have a lot of issue with that. I'm really empathetic towards other people. So I always want to, I hate when other people are going through hard times. I hate when people feel bad. And a lot of it comes from my own struggles with, uh, just mental illness and stuff like that, depression, anxiety. And so when I see other people, I pick up on it and I want them to feel better. And so I'll put all my energy into trying to help them through it. But I'm already there in that kind of dark spot to where it's like, I'm tapped out, like go in with a low tank. And, uh, but I, I have a hard time with those boundaries because I feel so bad for other people, sometimes far more than myself that I, I always neglect myself and for it, probably when I 
became a mom was when I really started realizing like you need some self-care because mm -hmm. I was giving myself all day long to make sure my kid's good, spouse good, everyone else is good. And then it's just like, you start falling apart mentally, physically. And uh, once, if you don't fix it, I mean, you could still point signs where it's really hard to turn that around. But, right. but it, like, again, I associated my value with what I could do for other people more than understanding just kind of other values within myself. So. Right. I, I like the, it's, it's a love hate relationship. You brought up the term self care. Um, and that that's being thrown a lot around a lot. It's the, it's the hashtag of the day on Instagram and stuff. Um, and it's very important, but a lot of people take it the wrong way. In my opinion, this is my humble opinion. A lot of people say self-care. Oh, I'm going to go get my nails done. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get an extra margarita time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and that might be self-care. But I truly believe that true self-care is bringing your cup up, filling your cup. Uh, and that takes, like I said before, that takes a lot of work. Sitting down, what do I need? Do I need to journal and get some ideas out of my head? Um, do I need to move? Do I need to um, dance? Do I need to burn off some steam? And spending, I don't know how much a manicure costs, so I'm just going to throw out a number. I couldn't Spend, tell you I've never had one. <laughs> spending $50 on a manicure, is that really what you need? Or is that just a, a dopamine fix of spending $50 and making yourself feel good for a short time? Most of the time, that's not it. Most of the time, it's, hey, I need to journal. Maybe I need to cry. Oh, crap, I said crying, and I'm a man. But um, that's what we want to hear on here. <laughs> you exactly. can do it. <laughs> Maybe that's what you need to do. Um, not going out and drinking another beer or something because yeah. let's be honest, that's not getting to the core problem. That's just covering it up. Yeah. For me, my biggest thing when I was just kind of giving myself out was like, I need to sleep. It was like, there was times where it was like, I'd just be so tired and I'd kind of be getting ready for bed. And I'd make the mistake of having my phone next to me and it's on and it's going off and people are like, hey, can I ask you a favor? Can I ask you something? Or guess what happened to me today? And I get stuck responding to this stuff and it's like, my body's exhausted. Right. I should go to sleep. But it's like, I, I couldn't just shut it off and let people figure out what they're going to do for the next few hours, <laughs> like find somebody else to talk to. I couldn't just say, hey, can we pick this up in the morning or whatever? And then I'd get stuck on these conversations. Next thing I know, my kid's waking up and I'm up for the next couple hours dealing with that. And then before you know it, days go by, you're not really getting any sleep and uh, just kind of, it just starts kind of steamrolling through everything else. You start, your diet starts getting affected, too tired to go work out, too tired to go outside. And so for me, like the self-care comes from like, can I go running today? Can I just sit in the sun for five minutes and mm -hmm. not be locked inside my home? or something right. like that. This brings up uh, a, a good point in my mind is boundaries. You, you have to have boundaries. Um, <clears throat> if you don't know your value, you don't know your boundaries. So if you don't know like what you're able to do when you can give from a full cup, you don't know where to draw the line in the boundaries. Um, so it, it takes, it takes a little work to find out what your value is. And then once you figure out what you're worth, 
when you're at a full cup and you're giving from your overflow, you're able to draw boundaries. Um, quite often, uh, I work in a clinic with another doctor and we have front um, desk staff. Uh, and they'll come by and be like, hey, can you squeeze in this new patient before lunch or before you go home? And I'll say no, because I'm only going to be giving them half of myself when I'm dead tired. And it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to my patient. It's not worth it to myself. Um, and believe me, it took me a long time to figure out where those boundaries are. And once I established them, everything just got better. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going on 32, still trying to figure out where some of, where a lot of my boundaries are. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's a growing process. We're, we're always learning. And once you stop learning, you might as well start dying is my motto. Um, yeah. So yeah, always learning your value is, is huge. So I also saw on your stuff that, you know, I mean, you're aiming like a lot of us are to change that stigma mm -hmm. with mental health and everybody kind of has their own ways of doing it or their own thoughts on how that's going to happen. If you want to share any of yours. Um, yes. Oh, I'd love to share mine. So <clears throat> yes, there is a problem with mental health. Um, yes, there are mental health problems, but I believe that there are there are significant reasons. So, like my biggest one is um, head trauma, TBIs. Let's figure that out. Uh, there's also, like I said earlier, there's a huge connection between our gut and our brain, um, and gut health and what we eat. So let's deal with that first and military work exposed to all kinds of shit heavy metal exposure um the new one is the the base in uzbekistan where people it was a nuclear waste dump so everybody's getting cancer and all these other issues so let's figure out that once we rule out all of that and you're still having mental health issues okay let's let's figure that out um i don't want to just jump right to mental health health issues let's rule out some big red flags that you I mean, mean you don't want to just go get some pills and be like, now figure your life out now that you're numb. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I have, I have very strong opinions about that too. Um, and I'm glad I have an open mic because I'm going to share about them. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Medication. There's a time and a place for everything. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, long-term, I don't think there should be a long-term use of medication in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, as a chiropractor, if somebody comes in with low back pain, I do an exam. I write up a treatment plan. I'm expecting six visits. This is what we're going to do. At the end of that, we're going to write up another treatment plan if you're not better. I have never heard, please somebody jump in here and respond to me, but I've never heard of anybody that prescribes um, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, having a treatment plan. They say, here you are. You're going to be on these for the rest of your life. <clears throat> so I don't think they should be long-term. I think they should be short-term. Um, and what they're doing, correct me if I'm wrong, please. I, I haven't been on these. I refuse them. Um, they're covering up symptoms. They're covering up feelings. They're covering up stuff that in my opinion needs to be dealt with. Oh, that's what, that's what happened to me in the army. Just having, Mine started with saying, I have insomnia. I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty anxious. 
there's some stuff going on. Like I had all sorts of stuff and it was like, well, take some pills. And then it was just, okay, now I'm numb and mm-hmm. I don't feel anything. Right. And at the end of the day, it was like, I felt better feeling bad than mm-hmm. feeling nothing at all. Cause at least I felt human. Cause now I feel robotic and I watched as my marriage disappeared. I watched right. as people committed suicide and I couldn't feel anything about it. One of my buddies committed suicide and I didn't process it till years later when I was off the pills and mm-hmm. then it hit me and it's just kind of like I, I was missing out on life because right. I, I couldn't cry. And there were days where I was like, God, I wish I could just cry. I'd probably feel better, but I can't <laughs> because yeah. I'm absolutely numb. And I have the, I'm the VA. I'm there all the time because of gut issues. And I know sometimes it's like, I've changed my diet, but I also know I've eaten a lot of pills between the army and the VA. I had back problems when I was in, mm-hmm. And the chiropractor would, you know, do some adjustments, but I was always sent home with stuff from muscle spasms and pain, uh, ibuprofen and Motrin. I mean, that's, you know, the go-to for <laughs> everything. <laughs> and he started looking at, like, I went through my medical history when I got out and been out for a while. And I looked at all the medications and stuff like that. And it's like, wow, I was on eight things at one time. And mm-hmm. I was on this and stuff like that. Because I started looking into, like, why does my stomach hurt all the time? And... And it started looking at just like, and so now I'm at that point where it's the VA, where it's like, no, we're going to figure out besides pills, I'm not going to take it. Like we need to have a different plan, but it's like, you have to put your foot down because they're very ready to just be like, here's a bottle, try it out. And and it's just like, I don't want to do it anymore. I've gone down that road. Like I will not let them give me anti-anxiety, antidepressants. I know that days with anxiety and depression are hard but i'd rather go through it than ever feel the way i felt get and some of those stuff are like black box labels where it's like you start getting suicidal ideation and stuff like that and it's just like oh no thanks like i was just (laughs) i was just tired and now it's like you got me on a whole you just gave me a whole new ailment to deal with and right so and like i said there's a time and place um and we've probably heard this before, you know, it's not good to take emotions, ball them up and stuff them down and wait until they blow up when we're in line at McDonald's or something. Yeah. And that, that's what all these things are doing that we're taking. They're, they're not allowing us to process these emotions. Emotions are not bad. How we deal with them is where it gets bad. Yeah. Um, I, I challenge a lot of people to, if you feel emotion, just sit with it, like sit down and be okay with it. it the emotion's not going to hurt you. It might, it, it will, sorry, I take that back. It hurts in the it, moment dealing it, with it. <laughs> yeah, it might hurt like hell. Um, but sooner or later, you have to process that. You have to go through dealing with that. And you might as well do it sooner rather than later before it eats you up alive. Um, and then speaking of back pain, this might get a little woo-woo and kind of crazy, but um, there is some reach, research in this. And the thoughts we think, the emotions we hold can present in the body. Um, oh, I know. I carry my stress, <laughs> my muscles and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know it. I'm like, literally a ball of anxiety, just like... Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know how many times I have patients come in and they're like, my shoulders hurt. And I'm like, well, why are they attached to your earlobes? 
Like that's not what it's. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so used to living this way. I didn't notice. <laughs> exactly. So after a while, if we don't deal with this stuff, it's, it gets worse. It gets a lot worse than just tight shoulders. Um, it, it might sound a little weird, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I'll have patients come in <clears throat> and I, I do a very thorough history. I go into the past medical history and everything before they even get there. I'm like, they have something bad in their history, whether it's cancer, um, you know, just stroke or something. And I, I can just sense it because they're, they're like shaking, they're anxious. Um, and I, I truly believe that this stuff eats you from the inside out. Oh, it really does. Yeah. So I, I, I really encourage people to ooh, do the fun, hard, difficult work and get through it because it's a lot better on the other side. Oh yeah, for sure. I know that's what that goes back to that whole like gut health stuff like that. I know from years of dealing with anxiety, just having all that acid brewing and all this, and like my stomach is shredded from just dealing with all that stuff for so long. And so uh, it was kind of trying to find that balance between how do I help with my mental health, but also take care of what's happened to my body in relation to it. And it was kind of like, and again, it went back to the VA going, here's some pills, your stomach hurts, take some of these. And it's like, like they love to give me stuff where it says like the side effect is like stomach bleeding or something like that. Right, it's just like, yeah. well, my stomach already hurts. Do I have, do we have yeah. to put more stuff on it? And the thing is, is taking, <clears throat> taking care of your, your gut, your whole body is taking care of your mental health. So while you're trying to figure out your gut and why my stomach always hurts, you're indirectly fixing what's going on with your head. Um, I'm going to get a little technical here. Um, the, the gut brain connection, we have nerves that go back and forth from our brain to our gut. The very, very interesting thing is, is a larger majority of them of the connection of the highway is from our gut to our brain versus our brain to our gut. Okay. So what is happening in our gut, whether we're eating shit, whether it's the, the quote unquote leaky gut, it's affecting our brain more than our brain is affecting our gut. And that Makes is sense. research proving proven. So if, if you have the research coming out with microbiome and all the, the bacteria in our gut, um, if our microbiome is just messed up and going crazy because of antibiotics and uh, NSAIDs and Tylenol Motrin, which we've all been on, yeah. it is directly affecting our mental and our brain state. Are you really a veteran if you've never taken ibuprofen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I used to live off that stuff. I wouldn't eat lunch. I would just take a handful of those. Yeah, I mean, that was all it felt like when I was in the military. It's just like, okay, any problem was basically like, okay, we'll take some of this, take some Motrin, and you'll be fine. And then if it was like, sometimes we'd switch it up. It'd be like, oh, you can't sleep. Here's some Benadryl. But it was like, <laughs> just eat a handful of these, and uh, yeah. we're good. I, I remember my last deployment, I, <clears throat> the only way I could sleep is by um, – doing NyQuil and I had a buddy with it, it used to sell out in the whenever we could go to the um the place that sold all the good stuff um and my body my buddy was taking a bottle a night mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like oh shit even back then before I knew what I know now I was like dude that can't be good <laughs> uh, 
I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, what we're, what we were led through while we were in has done a number on us and we're paying for it now, but there's a way out of it, fortunately. Yeah, I think some people though, they just kind of can't figure out how to get on that path that kind of <laughs> steers oh, yeah. away from it. It's like, where do I start? Right. I, and <clears throat> I, I, I tell people this regarding what I do with as a chiropractor, but I tell them it regarding veterans health. There's an answer out there. It might not be mine, but there is an answer. So if, if one person, one doctor doesn't have the answer, find another one that has the right answer for you. And if yeah. that next one doesn't have it, find the next, find the next. There is a better answer. I feel like that's kind of like with all things in life. Like you can find other perspectives, find other stuff. I mean, yeah, you don't have to settle for just the one, one route, one reason, one. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I like, yeah, not everybody likes, I don't know, chicken. Some people like beef. Some people like, you know, it, there's, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I don't know why people are skinny cats, but I guess there's more than one way to do it. <laughs> so I guess one thing I know that would help people is kind of goal setting, mm. finding ways to kind of, and I saw you did a post on that, the 10 year goal, write yeah. it down, makes it yeah. a little bit, you know, cause I think that, yeah. I think it's actually like, it sounds like it's just like, well, obviously if you do this, but it's like, I think some people get, a lot of us get out of the military and the reason why I bring it up is because I got out thinking I'm a veteran now, everyone's going to want me. And so I don't have to really do anything because that's what got sold to me when I was ETSing was like, you're going to get out and everybody's going to want you and you're going to get extra points for being a vet and all this stuff. And it's all bullshit. And, <laughs> but you figure that out once you're out and you can't turn around and go back. <laughs> and so, uh, I think it's time to helps to understand having some goals or just like an idea of where you're trying to end up. And I don't think some people know necessarily how to do something as simple as goal setting or just breaking it down to how you wanna, where you wanna go, how you wanna reach it. It's just like, I'm gonna be this. And then it doesn't happen. And then people go into their slump. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you can elaborate on it. I, I, I can, I, I love goal setting. Um, Goal setting is massive. I'm, I'm really happy you brought that up. Um, without goals, you are a ship in the water without sails. You're just, you're being beat around by the waves and you're going wherever the waves lead you. When you have goals, you have a direction. Um, ideas in your head, dreams are spoken, goals are written down. Um, so to whoever's listening, think big, think 10 years, set up a 10 year goal. When you have a 10 year goal, you can work back seven years, five years, three years, one year, 90 days. Um, and <clears throat> as I said before, I'm, I'm very big on how we speak and the words we speak. Writing down goals is, there's a certain way to write down goals. Um, I want, let's try this. I want to lose 30 pounds by the end of March versus I will lose 30 pounds by the end of March. Yeah. Which one do you think sounds more solid? 
the I will. <laughs> exactly. Um, so there, there's an acronym called um, SMART goals. It stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Reasonable, and Timely. S-M-A-R-T. Um, I'm not a big fan of A and R, attainable and reasonable, uh, because if you look at people like Jeff Bezos with Amazon, do you think he thought that any of those were attainable and reasonable? I mean, he's the world's richest man now. Yeah. I like to take out the attainable and reasonable and put in unreasonable and make them smut goals. Mm -hmm. Think big, think crazy, word it correctly, and then don't worry about the how as long as you got the what. And I know that's, it's easier to do it one-on-one -on -one with a person, but um, yeah, it's easier to do it one-on-one. -on -one. It's really difficult to speak the idea. It's way more fun when I can uh, take a person through that and you, you can just see their light, their eyes light up. They're like, oh my gosh. And then watching it happen after weeks, months, and years. Um, so, so when you, when you set up your goals, how do you address any fears you have in regards to the achieving those goals? That, I, oh, you're, you're full of good questions. Um, so, um, <clears throat> I, I, this is part of my journaling practice and journaling is massive. I never used to do journaling. Um, and now I do, and it's, it's, it's a very powerful tool. So most of the time my journaling consists of what fears or what things I have going on. Um, and I take the fears. Like I said before, you're going to, you're going to get the idea that I'm very powerful. I, I very much like the power of our words. So I will take and write down what I'm afraid of or what's going on and I'll dissect it. Um, for example, let, let's say I play soccer and I have a game coming up. I'm nervous about the game. Well, why am I nervous? Um, because I'm not good enough. The opponents are too good. Well, I start writing affirmations or goals or mottos for myself. I am good. I've done the work. Um, and I, I create these positive ideas that are going to come out of this. And yeah, I might still lose, but at least I'm not going to go in there with like complete fear and cripple when the game starts. Yeah, I mean, you kind of set yourself up to if you go in expecting the worst to happen in the game, and then it's kind of like, oh, well, look what I just brought on myself. <laughs> like, you start look, looking for things to go wrong. We could really jump down the um, neuroscience uh, on why that works. Um, I don't know if we have time, but if you want go to go for it, okay. <laughs> we can go so over. It, it's, it's this thing called the reticular activating system um, in our brain. It's so when you get a new car, let's say you get a green Ford Taurus. I don't even know if they make those anymore, but you get a green Ford Taurus right when you get the green Ford Taurus, you're like, everybody has a green Ford Taurus. I felt like that when I bought my Subaru. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, well, everybody does have a Subaru. You should everybody has the blue one too. So it's yeah. like, oh. Come out to Portland. There's more Subarus than there are people out here. Yeah, I had to put uh, a sticker on mine. It was so bad. So I could figure out which one was mine in the parking lot. So like when you bring attention to it, I, I, I will be honest. I don't remember all the structures in the brain and how it relates, but um, 
the reticular activating system filters things in and out of your brain. You can't be aware of all the sensations in your body that are coming in through your brain at all times. So it filters out what you need to worry about. So when you bought that green Ford Taurus, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm aware of that one, I'm aware of that one, I'm aware of that one. Same thing with our words. If I keep telling myself um, I'm worthless, nobody likes me, you're gonna start picking out things and ideas that reinforce that. Oh, that person looked at me, he must not like me, I must be worthless. He talked to me weird, I must be worthless. And, and it can, you can reverse that and say, um, I'm really good at my job. People like me. And if you keep repeating that, you're going to start picking things out like, oh, that person smiled at me. Ooh, that person gave me a compliment. And it's just going to reinforce. Um, the, the saying that can go with this is what you think about is what you bring about. Yeah. And I, I mean, the way I, I like to have backup in science and things instead of just like, oh, it was the universe or, well, you know, whatever God you believe in that brought about. No, this is legitimate science, like reinforcing these positive habits. Um, and this is why affirmations work. Um, it, it's mind blowing. When you start doing this, things just start changing in your life. And that's kind of how I felt when we were having that phone interview, uh, when you were asking how I got into kind of talking about myself on the podcast and writing stuff in the blog, because it's real, it's pretty deep. It's pretty personal stuff. And, uh, and you were talking about kind of my, the fuck it attitude <laughs> and how it can be applied to places in your life and not going down that because I mean, that's a whole different route. But uh, the idea I had when I started this was I've already had that issue of being a female in the military where people had their kind of preconceived ideas of what I could do, what I was capable of. And so I already understood that that existed. And I came over to this side and it's like, people already might feel that way. But if I do this, maybe I'll find people that don't. Maybe I'll find people, maybe I can reach somebody. And I already know people don't like something about me. So that's not going to change. So if people come at me for what I write or what I say, what's the difference? I already felt that way about knowing they exist. And what I found was when I started writing, it's a, there's a lot of people that do give a damn. There's a lot of people that do care. And there's a lot of people that get affected. And it's made it easier to deal with those people that, you know, every once in a while I get that awesome message on my Instagram that's kind of like, you suck. <laughs> like, I don't like what you do. Everything you do is horrible. But I know now that that's not, that doesn't stand for what I do. That's not, you know, that's not the whole mission. It's not all a complete failure. But I've had to reinforce that idea that this is making a difference. Someone, even if no one's saying anything, someone somewhere is benefiting from this. Might not be a hundred people, a thousand people, might just be one, but one is still one person that I affected because I just did the damn thing and right. I shared the story and I talked about it and I spoke up. But it is it does take time to kind of like get to that attitude of like I'm just gonna go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I yeah, I agree. It does take a, a tipping point of just saying, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I'm gonna swear I'll go anyway. For it. It's veterans listen to this. I don't mean Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it takes a point of oh fuck it. I don't care. Um oh fuck it in a good way. Yeah. 
but it takes that tipping point. Uh, and I've, I've always thought, not always, but somebody brought up the idea to me that if people are opposing me, if people don't like what I'm doing, you're usually on the right path. You're doing something right. Right. Unless you're a total dickhead. <laughs> and I mean, I yeah, there's, there's circumstances where that yeah, might not like, actually, you really are. Geriatric <laughs> <taking laughs> population for the fun of, okay, yeah, you're a dickhead. But in general, like what we're talking about is if you're getting kickback, you're most likely on the right path. Yeah, I definitely learned that from some of the stuff I talk about because I realize other people can't get themselves to do it. And hearing someone else doing it, sometimes it's either uncomfortable, they just don't, it's like, well, I, I can't talk about it. I don't want anyone talking about it. Don't bring it up. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, but it's like, just keep going because like, again, someone somewhere wants to hear it, needs to hear it. You right. might not like that I talk about it, but. I can't stop what I do because of one person. <laughs> yeah. And, and really, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Like, I'm having fun doing it. So, yeah. yeah. So, we're getting to about that hour. So, do you have any contact information you want to put out there? So, if people want to kind of pick your brain some more about some of this stuff or just get in contact with you to chat or whatever, more veterans uh, for you to talk to. Yeah. I, I highly encourage people to reach out and talk to me um so instagram is i underscore am underscore dr lance davis so i am dr lance davis um my website is flourish health community because damn it you need to be out of survival mode and you need to be flourishing For um, sure. reach out contact me i would love to talk to you and as if you if you haven't noticed i will talk your ear off we like that over here it makes less work for me great yeah <laughs> people are probably awesome. burned out on hearing me on the podcast but uh, i really appreciate you coming on it was great having you yeah thank you it was fun all right that's well that's good i would hope it's not <laughs> <laughs> but uh you take care all right you too Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or check us out on our very own Cruisecast located on the Cruise Corner website at www.cruisecorner.com. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please contact us on our website or send us a DM on Instagram.